Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that is just as excited as you are to see what Jason Robertson manages in the way of a playoff beard. It's time to do a little stargazing. Joined today by uh, by Taylor. Taylor, hello. Hello. Uh, can Jason Robertson even grow a beard? Is he I, even I old enough for that? <laughs> He's old enough. This is here's a here's a fun fact that I learned recently. If you want to have a uh, a little check ID hack. If you need to know if somebody's old enough to drink, just look to see if they have a one in front of their birth year. If they do, they're old enough to drink. Wes, if I was not, you know, a couple hundred miles away right now, I would have kicked you in the shin for that one because how dare you, sir? It's so painful. It's such a painful truth, which of course is relevant because Jason Robertson was born in 1999 and is 21 years old. There we go. Tied it back to the stars. The more you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a real gut punch. The other funny one I heard this week was if you uh, if you were thirteen the year the movie Thirteen Going on Thirty came out, you are now thirty. Okay, see, I have zero concept of time, and and like the <laughs> pandemic has not made that better. So for me, I'm like, yeah, nine eleven was you know like five years ago. Right. Um, I graduated college like I don't know five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero concept of how old Every, I Just I everything know. was five years ago? Yes, and then, like, you know, if you're scrolling on TikTok and you come across the, the like, uh, videos that are like, hey, you know, throwback millennial songs, and it's like, oh, I danced to that at the club. Yeah, 100%. Cool. And then it's like, oh, by the way, these are 20-year-old songs, and you're like, okay, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, time is, time is inevitable as they say and time father time is undefeated uh speaking of time and concepts thereof today we're going to talk a little bit about our own favorite hockey team the dallas stars yes they are still our favorites uh, may not seem that way all the time, but but we love them. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline. It is looming. We'll talk a little bit about the playoffs. Um, Schrodinger's team remains simultaneously in and out of the hunt. Just ask me by the minute. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the announcement that um, Tyler Sagan, Ben Bishop, and Alex Radulov are expected to join the taxi squad at some point and really wrap that all together and, and make a definitive declarative statement about where this team is, where it's headed, and of course, as always, we will be 100% right, and that's just something uh, something to look forward to. And uh, let's go ahead and dive right in with, we've got a big deadline coming up next week. It All this stuff kind of ties together, right? So as, as we sit recording uh, this evening, it's Thursday, Dallas did not have a good Tuesday night against Chicago. They remain perpetually in a state of being second to last in the in the division, but with just enough in the way of head to heads and games in hand to squint your eyes, tilt your head, and see them getting back into it. Of course, one of the more traditional ways of, of getting back into the proverbial mix is to go out and add help. And, and we'll start with the broad question and kind of work our way down, Taylor. Do you see the stars being active in any way, shape, or form heading into uh, next week's deadline? We oh, start man. with the easy see, questions like... here, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're always coming in hot with the good ones. Um, no, so like I feel like it's a really hard, 
question to answer, uh, especially because I feel like the play of the team hasn't really given any clarity to where they actually are. Yes, they have games in hand, and that can give the illusion of, well, if we just win the three games in hand, then we're like right in the thick of it. But then you look at what they have actually done, and you're like, but will they? Um, because <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's anywhere close to a guarantee that they could. And so therefore, if you were to say lose all three of those games, like you're actually really not that close at this point. And in such a shortened season and <laughs> I don't know. And it's, and I think that's, I think that's actually really like tough for the front office because, you know, they're constantly trying to weigh the today the year from now, the five years from now, and the 10 years from now. So they have to look at all of those timelines. We get the benefit of just looking at the today. Um, of course, in this instance, you're referencing the darkest timeline, which is the one we are all living right now, the Stars fans. Correct. <laughs> correct. And <laughs> so, me, so, like... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean well, to cut no, you off. No, I'm just going to finish the thought. So, like, if you look at what they're going to do with Jamie Alexiak, I think if they had had a clearer picture of where they were... You know, the fact that Sean Shapiro, I think, literally just tweeted tonight. So those of you listening tomorrow, old news by now. And this may have changed 100% since then. Um, But he tweeted that, you know, there's teams that are interested. But if you look at the stars and if you think that they might have a chance at at squeaking in that fourth playoff spot, trading with Jamie Lickzak may not be the best idea. Because Miru Haskinen and him like seem to vibe. But and like can you just slot in a Joel Hanley next to Miro? I don't know. I well, mean maybe that's also assuming health for Joel Hanley. He's been banged up lately. Right. So how much do you risk, you know, even if you do accept the fact that there's a match there and there may not be, or is he capable of of playing, frankly, just due to injury? So yeah, so I think there's so many question marks that if I were Jim Mill, I probably would not really make any moves. And so I think that's my answer is I think they pretty much stand pat because I think that any move to sell off a player on an expiring contract like a Jamie Lexiak is going to be seen both externally and potentially internally as throwing in the towel on the season, even though technically they're not there yet. Um, and then any move to acquire help is going to get super tricky when Radulov, Kiranta, Hanley, Sagan, Bishop, and literally every other member of, you know, the top nine on the IR uh, are able to come back. And so, like, there's some cap gymnastics that need to be considered. And so, like, I think this is one year where I'm like, I think I'd be fine with him doing nothing because realistically, what's out there, what is it going to cost you? And will it make enough of a difference? I just don't know. Well, I think that's you hit on a couple of, of I think, very good points. And, and I want to approach this from a couple different directions. And, and the first one is you make a fantastic point about like uh, hurdle number one, right? It, it would have to be a money in, money out situation. I believe right now that Dallas, I've got cap friendly up in front of me, Dallas is at the salary cap. And I believe. I'm scrolling. I think that they're even actively using the LTIR relief that they got from Bishop and Stephen John. So I, I think that it, first off, any situation where Dallas is going to bring in help needs to be a money in, money out situation, which is or you know, ideally net negative for the stars, like give them yeah. some cap space. 
which feeds into my second problem in that we've talked early we've talked in the podcast a couple of times about how you know last year in the postseason what ended up coming to bite coming back to bite the stars was concentrated injuries and that it seemed like they lost the entirety of the bottom six of that roster and it gutted the penalty kill and the defensive depth and all these things, right? And this season, the same thing has happened at the other end, right? Everybody that's hurt plays in the top six. And so, okay, you've got a team that has no money that needs to go out and find help. And the thing that's currently broken is the offense. And guess what types of players tend to be inordinately expensive, right? Players that can help the offense. So you're in a situation where if you're going to swing anything, right? Let's let's just say you're Jim Nell and you decide that there are those three games in hand matter and this team is is fighting to their credit and, and this team does have a shot and they, they deserve to get loaded up and make a run. Okay, so now you have to go find offensive help for nothing without using the scant pieces on your like what are you gonna who are you gonna flip right without creating a different equally large problem that you also can't solve yeah and i mean the most attractive pieces to teams that would be looking to make a deal with you for offensive help are going to be ruby hints and jason robertson and you know, Thomas Harley. And I mean, and everybody's like, trade would you be okay? darling John Klingberg, which the joke is if you trade John Klingberg for offensive help, you better trade him for a player exactly like John Klingberg. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm also still in the camp that I'm not sold that they can't, that they can't keep uh, Miro and Klingberg when Klingberg's deal is up and, and hear me out on this one. I think that, the fact that Miro, while still very good, he hasn't exactly lit it up this year. Like on the offensive side of the puck, I think he's been, he's been tasked to do a lot more defensively because, like, this team is a train wreck. Um, and so, I think that actually kind of helps in the sense that I don't know if we see Miro get a max type contract when his entry level is up he could be one of those guys that does like a six six million two-year bridge type deal Um, well he might and the other bit is you're in a very safe spot because this this podcast is home of the you know say what you want good or bad about his overall job as general manager but one thing that is absolutely unassailable is jim nill's ability to manage the salary cap dallas is in a position where they absolutely can choose to sign john klinkberg if they want and it will have zero impact on Mio Haskinen. By the time they need right. to re- by the time Klingberg's contract needs fresh ink, Pavelski is off the books. Um, also Radulov is off the books, right? So that's that's twelve million ish in in cap hit and funds coming off the books by that point. So even if you and assume like if you can't do those two contracts at around that or, or maybe slightly more with, you know, Cogliano, Como, those guys coming off to you, like <laughs> then like you don't have any business being a general manager in Exactly. It's a mirage. It's Uh, yes, it would be it would be a decision, right? It would be Dallas saying that the guts of the next generation, right? They were going to commit to, you know, that Miro and and Klingberg kind of become the defensive core. But guess what? That is a fantastic defensive core to have. And that's a perfectly fine thing for a competing team to roll with. That's there's no downside there. And I don't think you know enough about a Thomas Harley today to say 
he's the next John Klingberg that will cost us less. Therefore, we can trade Klingberg. And it'll kind of hurt in the near term, but long term, we're still good. Because while he's a great prospect, and while he seems to, like, kind of found a groove, and he seems to be clicking okay down there in Cedar Park, like, he's still very young. Um, and defensemen are typically some of the older ones coming into the league because they take a little bit longer to adjust. And I, it's nonsense. I, I just, it's just I, I nonsense. Think, like, the idea, but you know, at the same time, he is your number one trade chip. If you really truly believe that your core of forwards cannot make it through the next season and compete, you know, and be competitive and be in it next year when maybe hopefully the voodoo doll pin gets removed and you aren't down, you know, basically a legitimate top nine at any given point in a shortened season, um, then, you know, like, if you really think that realistically you need to make a big change up front, to me that says that a guy like a Jamie Ben, like a Tyler thing, like a Ruby Hintz would be the ones going out to acquire that that top six forward versus screwing around with your back end that seems to be doing okay. Yep. And seems to be set up for the long-term future. I think there's a lot more uncertainty and a lot more questions. Um and of course, I've been talking about Miro Haskinen and how he hasn't been offensive this season. And he, you know, he goes and scores a goal tonight. So, like, that's cool. Maybe I just need to talk crap about all these. Yeah, do do <laughs> Jamie Ben next. Talk talk <laughs> crap about Tyler Sagan's hip while you're at it. And how? <laughs> let's just but let's like, just fix but, the team while we have you. Fix the team. But no, I think that you know, I think to me, there's a lot more question marks in the forward core. Um, I think we're really fond of blaming the system for a lack of offense, but I also kind of, if I take that step backwards and I look from a, from a very high level, it, there's been several different coaches. And to me, like at some point, like the buck has to stop with the players and like, I don't know. Maybe some of them have just really lost their touch. I, I have no idea. But I think it's like I think that's a, that a tough I, question. I I, yeah. I don't I don't entirely disagree. The the one thing I would throw at you as a counter argument is the last three coaches of the Dallas Stars are Ken Hitchcock, Jim Montgomery, and Rick Bonus. And so while it is absolutely oh, <laughs> like and and I think you're right. Like there is something to be said for player accountability and to some degree they need to you know they they're expected to execute and succeed inside of the system but i do think with this team that is that it is a fair statement to say that for the last you know really since they brought hitchcock in in um what was it 2017 that this offense has been playing with one arm tied behind its back by by the worst year like they have been the worst playing a year system. in franchise history, <laughs> like I mean, modern history. I've, I've watched some bad teams, but that Ken Hitchcock year to me just killed so much about this team. I mean, Valerian Attrition and Julius Honka and um, offense ever. We became a black hole. It's just nothing but a black hole. They, <laughs> and and it's like just screwed the, with their heads or something. I don't know. They, I think they panicked after the St. Louis loss. 
and they the of course first, they did and they the overcorrected <laughs> yeah and they thought okay well we have to go to this and so i think it's the product of and even you know a guy like like you know Tyler Sagan, who who is younger and relative, and, and Jamie Ben to a lesser degree, you've now taken an entire roster of players and spent the last three years telling them that the priority is to keep the number of chances down across the board. And this is this is what you get. And the problem is that you put that team on a razor's edge. I think you you have the yin and the yang, right? The playoffs last season were a great example of how it how it can work. And that if you have elite offensive talent, you can play a no-chance style, convert at a high rate, and win a lot of close games. And that worked, right? They stayed generally healthy, and especially in the top six, but they stayed generally healthy in the playoffs last year. They got good goaltending. Not great. Hudobin was great in a couple of rounds, but on the balance, he was very good. That is not an insult, by the way. I'm just pointing that out to say that last year's playoff run wasn't some goaltending exclusive driven mirage, right? It was a team that executed well. The problem we're seeing this season is playing the style that Dallas plays. If that offensive execution slips even a little bit, they are in serious trouble because they can't generate, you know, the running guy, Alex Ovechkin, right? He he scores 50 goals, not because he shoots 50%, because he shoots 350 times, right? This team can't go with bulk, you know, kind of bulk generation, right? So you wind up in a situation now where they've been taught to play a style that gives them no margin of error and all of a sudden adversity hits and they're just adrift. They don't have the, they don't have the horses to get out of it. Is my point. So so pulling that all the way back around, that to me that's part of what makes this team so difficult to assess and therefore trade for is that on top of the the cost aspect. So okay, let's assume that you can find the combination of pieces on the roster that will get you both the the asset value and the cap space to bring in a legitimate offensive forward. So let's assume you do all of that, right? Who's to say that the person you bring in is going to suddenly flourish in a system that has pretty consistently demonstrated it will not let anybody flourish offensively. Yeah. And so that's a tricky part. Like when you look around, what like how do you help this team, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like what's available out there. There's no Matt Zuccarello, <laughs> which is kind of what the stars would need. I think like that guy yeah. that's kind of on an expiring contract and knows how to pop in some goals and, and kind of is so good at, figuring his own stuff out but and then also is in the system long enough to, to beat him down <laughs> i don't know yeah um you know like taylor hall is another example like you'd need right now you almost need that level of like what mike hoffman's gonna fix this thing okay they won't you know they won't play dennis guriana they're gonna play him you know there's there's just not this this it seems like in terms of targets there's just not a unicorn out there all of the offensive there, – there are, in my opinion, there are offensive players that you can find that, that could potentially score, but they've all got warts. And this team has, has so far – and you can argue that this is valid. There are certainly plenty of mistakes. Again, mentioning Guriana, there's, there's certainly reasons you can talk yourself into. But this is a team that, that is built around the concept of they're not going to accept any offensive warts – or sorry, they're not going to accept any defensive warts in pursuit of offense. So you, you kind of have to get – a top end player or what's the point? 
Yeah. So basically <laughs> all, all that long windedness that we just spoke to say, there's not an easy answer, but at the same time, I feel like unless you are a top contender built like a Tampa Bay lightning where legitimately every trade deadline, I go, okay, there is one identifiable weakness in your, in your team. And it's usually like a bottom six penalty killer or whatever, where like they could get a smidge. Yeah. Like a Blake Coleman style pickup. Like, but unless you're that, that you have too many flaws to fix within one trade deadline. Yeah. And then I think the other thing contributing to the complexity of this particular trade deadline, I mean, you're like, just throw out the whole, you know, pandemic and shortened season and all that good stuff. But the fact that you have the expansion draft coming up this summer and any move that you make has to be also done with that in mind. And, you know, the stars are also looking at their roster. And I mean, Jim Nill set them up pretty well for that too, where they're not really going to be looking at losing a significant piece unless they want to. Um, all uh, can you get Jamie Ben to waive his no move because or no trade because he wants to go play in front of essentially his home crowd, <laughs> like near the end of his career? But like, but that would have to be like a him decision, well, not like a team you'd decision. Also, not to disparage the captain, you'd also have to find a team that's willing to take nine and a half million dollars worth of a middle six Third forward, forward at this of point. flourishes. Yeah. I mean, he's just is what he is at this point. It's, it's, well, it's funny. Yeah, I think but you, that's you why a good point, right? The trade deadline is for fixing pieces, not structure. Right. And the problems with the stars tend to trend much more to structural flaws versus, Oh, you know, Tyler Sagan's hurts. Let's just go grab a center, drop him in, you know, drop him in and we'll be fine. That's not, right. You know, okay, Radulov's out. Let's go grab Taylor Hall and then off to the races. That's not really, it's not that simple with this group. And I think the other complicating factor is you mentioned the COVID outbreak. Then there was, you know, the state of Texas freezing over. This is also like, I, I think that it is a completely fair question to ask. This team might actually be quite good. In a, in a world in which, in a world, in a world in which they're getting, you know, even last year's version of Tyler Sagan and Rupe Hintz is in the lineup every day and, you know, Alex Radulov hasn't missed 30 games and, and on and on. Like, in a world in which this team has just like bad luck rather than atrocious luck, you know, we saw the first, you know, the first month of the season was very encouraging. So I think the other complicating factor to the trade deadline, if you're the Dallas Stars, is do you really want to blow up a roster that in a season in which you're not forced to play every single other day in a back-to-back every week with a ton of injuries? It might be that this team is just snake bit, throw this year out, right? It's, it's the voodoo year and things get a lot better next when they have a time, you know, when they've got time to practice, maybe coach Guriana through some of whatever yips he's experienced. Like, like this team might not suck is I guess my point. But see, the 2016 version of the Dallas Stars did not suck either. Uh, and then look at the course correction they took after that. They fired Lindy Ruff, and then they hired Ken Hitchcock, and then, yeah. And then that happened. Yeah, so, like, so an argument for potentially so, standing pat, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I look at that and I say, no, standing pat seems pretty good. Just, you know, let's not overreact to literally anything. Like, I think you have a much broader perspective once you get out of this season. And to me, like the things you said, the schedule, the key players that have been hurt, the fact that your starting goaltender and your top center have been on IR basically this entire time. And then your other like, you know, two thirds of your top six have been in and out and just completely demolished essentially for the year. Like I would look at all of that and then look at the broader, okay, what have they been like in the last two years? And if you get growth in, you know, Robertson and Delandria and Damiani or however you say his name from down on the farm and you get, you know, can Camino step in and become like the next kind of third line winger? And can you, you know, will you lose a Blake Como in the expansion draft? And like, can you look at all the sum of your parts in a broader perspective and, and evaluate them in the summer and then decide what wholesale changes you want to make? The trade deadline just isn't the time to do that. So if you, I, I have one there's one scenario that I'm going to float for you because I agree. I agree 100% with everything you're saying. The the sane, rational thing for this team to do is to fight as hard as they can. This, yeah, it's just mean. you're not going to fix. You're not going to turn this team into a contender. How much do you blow it up to get curb stomped by Tampa Bay in the first round? It's better to get to the off season, get the bodies back healthy, and see what you have. I agree completely. Okay, but but hang on, but hang on. What if what if the stars get like super healthy and then they go into that first round and they are the Columbus Blue Jackets? Exactly. I mean, I agree. That, <laughs> like, like, that's why like, you don't mess it up it's, now. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, you still got to get there, which is like a whole nother discussion. But I, there's nothing that says that they couldn't be that. And I don't know, with all the guys coming off of IR and they're super fresh after not playing this comeback schedule. Maybe that just energizes the team and gives them the magic they need to go on another glorious run. But like, that's a lot of magic beans that we're we're uh, planting but, there to try to harvest. And this is both extremely optimistic and extremely cynical at the same time. I think the odds of that happening are better than the odds of Dallas finding something in the trade market that gets them there. Like I just don't yeah. think that it just that, that deal doesn't exist. You'd have to take too much off, create a problem elsewhere, and this is where I was headed with one exception because it's always been one of those weird stories where, and and we'll see how long it takes you to understand who I'm talking about. There there is a particular player on the Stars roster that has always perplexed fans, but has has always had the unwavering support of of in league management figures, and and this player. If you take the league's perspective is not on an unreasonable contract and has some term left and there are some teams that are out there that are in the playoff hunt that are looking for help in the area that this the position that this particular player plays. So I think the only the only thing that I might do that I might do trade wise if it emerged is if you could get a team that thought they were in the Eckholm stake stakes to bite huge on Lindell, I think you consider it. Yeah. And, and like the Lindell thing is super weird. If you haven't uh, had the opportunity yet, I highly recommend anybody listening to uh, check out Saad Youssef's uh, trade proposals. Uh, 
story because he ran it by executive an executive and a scout in the league and and like the respect that Lindell has that just defies every single advanced statistic <laughs> metric eyeball test depending on how you view him as a player um and also just like super character guy which you know teams love um you know a quiet leader so to speak in the room and, and you know a veteran at this point and all that jazz like he has a ton of respect around the league I do think that one of I think it was the scout or maybe the executive whichever one it was they were like well Dallas doesn't really have anybody who can step up and play those large minutes the way that that Lindell does and then the other thing is is that have you ever watched John Klingberg without his safety blanket because like it gets a little bit intense sometimes. Like, Kleinberg's defensive game is worlds better than most fans make it out to be. But, like, he can make some of those very risky plays or, you know, those offensive moves because he's got a kind of stay-at-home guy behind him that's going to figure it out. And, well, like... I, I think <laughs> the idea there is you hope that you hope that you can distribute those minutes between Klingberg, Miro and Alexiak. And those three kind of turn, you know, you go with that model, right? Where those three do the bulk of the heavy lifting in some combination. And then guys like Hanley and Psyduck and Sekera, right? You plug them in the excess minutes around the margins and it's a thinned and it's a thinner defensive core, but you can potentially, you know, the, the, the gamble that you're making is that John Klingberg is good enough that even if he gets a, even if you lose a little bit swapping out his, his binky for another player, right. Even if, even if the credit, right. Cause in this situation, somebody is giving Lindell a lot of credit for, for Klingberg's performance, right? So even if you take a performance hit swapping out Lindell with a player that doesn't do the intangible stuff, whatever that is, as well as he does, I think you're gambling that the forward that you get coming back plus a defensive piece that you can find, right? Sort of the whole like, okay, well then stick Alexiak next to Klingberg, let all world Miro Haskin and figure it out with Hanley and take the balance with your, you know, with the forward you get. And there's a chance that that could give you more in aggregate. So, so back up just a second. Did you just call Pissick Psyduck? I did. I have no idea how to pronounce that name, and it looks like Psyduck, and so it's Psyduck and Heinz, and that's just the way that I can do it. Okay. I really wanted to make sure I knew who you were talking about there for a second, because I was like, oh, a nickname I have not heard. Psyduck. Cool. <laughs> uh, Pissick. Is, is how you pronounce it. I mean, so I've heard not it aware. <laughs> I just sorry that threw me for a loop while you were talking. So, gotcha. um, focused in on the rest of the stuff that you said. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm can not, you look, get I'm by if you... John Klingberg is he's really good, and like, I'm not saying he can't play without Lindell. It's just that I know when they started off and they tried out the Klingberg Miro pairing under normal circumstances, not the like. Supernova, you know, six on five. We have both of you out there because we need a goal <laughs> type yep. setup. It was very mixed results. It was very, uh, it was a little sketchy. 
Like, yeah, and there's I a mean, reason that Harry never caught on. And, and I guess you, you're left with like, what do you think, you know, and again, in this hypothetical, right, what do you think gives you a better chance of making the playoffs, right? A, a finding a way for Klingberg now as a 28-year-old to play with some combination of Fadoon, Hanley, Sekera, Alexiak, Haskinen, plus presumably, right, because you'd only do this for a top six winger, right, plus a good top six winger to put on the team, or hoping that the offense, you know, the magic bean thing, right? Radulov suddenly gets healthy. Something, you know, something happens to make everything great or better offensively, right? Which of those things is more likely? <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this year anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're 2021 <laughs> Dallas Stars, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of have to laugh and shake your head because at this point, like, who knows? I mean, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. And also I do... I kind of believe that Lindell's respect and and um, stature around the league and his reputation is probably not going to be ever like higher than it is right now. And yeah. so, if you were going to trade him, I think now would be the time. Um, I do wonder though if Jim Nill would be the type to do that because he did resign Lindell not that long ago, and and Jim Nill tends not to do the like sign and trade in the same season I mean, thing. So the Dallas stars that. are demonstrably on the list of teams that believe that about Essa Lindell, right? Like, yeah, it, exactly. We, he, he has the contract. The he has, team. they bought it. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I could see like trying to get a team desperate for, you know, help in their top four defense defenseman positions like who really believe that this is their year and like they're that one piece away like I think if I were Jim Nill and somebody called me up and said hey uh you know so let's say Toronto because everybody loves to make trade proposals with Toronto let's say Toronto is like look Lindell he's our guy he's exactly what we need and William Nylander continues to like just get crapped on (laughs) in this market and like we can afford to part with one of them he's the guy to go you know, add in some sweetener and you got a deal. Like, I, I would think long and hard. I'm not saying I would automatically I would, say I yes or hang up the phone, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> I would because I, I feel like you could figure out the defensive prospects. But also because I look at what's happening down on the farm and it's like there's a decent pipeline <laughs> of defensive prospects that you could go to and guys that can fill in. And like you said, spread some of those harder minutes around. And like, I think we could figure out a way to make it work if it gave them another top six forward option moving forward. You just need to find a coaching staff that has a little bit more of an offensive mentality. Okay. So can can I, I think you need a better system. So, so can I uh, give you my theory then on that? Actually, are you ready for this? Okay. I think actually the next biggest homegrown prospect of the Dallas star system is going to be Neil Graham, the head coach of the Texas Stars. And I say that because he has taken a roster that, you know, they've been missing some pieces that they would normally have um, under normal circumstances without a taxi squad. Um, And he's he's done some good work with them. And then he also worked with Jason Robertson and Ty DeLandria and Kimano and literally every call-up we've had, (laughs) Kimi Ranta. Um, and he's 
somehow managed to get them ready for, you know, to be productive members at the NHL level. Um, and then at the other, at the other end of the spectrum, like he's younger. And I think that he kind of approaches rosters with the, what pieces do I have and what makes the most sense to run with the pieces I have versus trying to fit the square peg in a round hole. Um, This is my system and, (laughs) and you will play it to her or you will not play. (laughs) Like, I I think that, so, so that's my theory. And I think given Rick bonus was only signed for two years. um, And then that was kind of like, I guess most people's kind of definition of contention window, so to speak, even though like, they don't like teams never want to think about it like that. They just want to compete forever. You are not the Detroit Red Wings, but whatever. Um, Like, but so I can see that being the next, head coach oh i agree i can i can see it you know they go one more year under a bonus with this core after the expansion draft and then see if they can get there and then i think as they continue to graduate some of those big prospects i think he's gonna also graduate i mean that's certainly i'm a big neil graham fan yeah you did an interview with neil graham a while back I did. Um, that man is hilarious because he legitimately, uh, he was running a team meeting um, right before our interview and he was like three minutes late to the interview and he goes, I'm so sorry. I was trying to find your number to text you to let you know I was running late. And I'm sitting there going, dude, it's been three minutes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no big deal, sir. But like, he's that respectful of people's time. And like, I know that's, small but i think that's pretty cool um but just kind of shows the type of person he is so um yeah but he he has really good he's really interesting and also a breath of fresh air when it comes to when you ask him a question he can go on and on about the system or what he sees and it's almost like at times almost like a miniature video session um where he basically breaks it down like he would to any other player which i think is cool um i don't know so I'm a big fan. And so I can see him being the next product. And it would actually surprise me because I don't think the Dallas star system has produced a ton of (laughs) NHL head coaches. So chalk another one up to where our, um, or sorry, Gullitson, whatever, however you pronounce I'm I'm great. I think he's an assistant (laughs) coach now somewhere. Maybe Calgary. Was it Calgary? Yes, he was. Um, he, he coached for a while outright after he left Dallas, but then yeah. I think he's back down to assistant now. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that's also like that would be a cool next step forward for the star system as a whole if they could actually graduate an NHL coach like a homegrown because he 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 was a head coach in Idaho, uh, the ECHL affiliate of the Stars, and now he's in Texas. So like he would be a true homegrown guy. That'd be pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to, I got us way off track here, but um, just an aside, that is where I see um, another future thing to keep an eye on in terms of, uh, I guess, like prospect growth and development. And I will say, you know, all this talk about trade deadlines and windows, this season has been such a catastrophe in so many ways. I think it's obscured the fact that Dallas is actually fairly well positioned for the future. There is a, you know, there is a nice blend of of youth as well as experience. This this isn't a team that is sort of stapled to 
the you know Jamie Ben Radulov Pavelski Sagan group, and then it's Baron after that, right? So it does feel like, and part of why I think we we both landed on this notion that doing something now is is kind of penny wise pound foolish. I think one of the the things to keep in mind is that this is very much a team that has successfully begun the transition from eras and, you know, they may choose to retain one or both, but they'll be able to move on from, from Como and Cogliano after this season if they'd like, and they've been very good players, but they've got the bodies and they've got the staff to, to deal with it. So it, it really does feel like an instance where their approach seems to be the correct one in that if the right deal is there, then sure, but this isn't a situation where you bet the farm, you know, take a wild swing for for some, you know, one-off rental because you think this is the only year you're going to have a shot. Exactly. You know, and then also, I think, you know, what's kind of lost in the shuffle when you talk about the trade deadline is the fact that Dallas might actually have some guys starting to get healthy again, which is, <laughs> super nice um and not something we've seen like ever this season um but tyler sagan ben bishop and alexander radulov are reportedly reportedly that's a hard word uh supposed to be on the ice with the taxi squad come saturday now granted in bishop well actually in all of their cases i would argue um you know they're still conditioning and, and you know got to get up to game play uh and still you know, probably a couple weeks until they, yeah. until they actually slot into the lineup. But I think there's one big thing that's going to, I'm curious to see play out is what do they do with the goaltending? Because I think Ottinger has proved this year that he deserves to be at the NHL level. Um, Kudobin hasn't had the same season as he's, as he had last year or even the year before that in the regular season, but he hasn't been horrible. Um, I think he's been pretty good considering the personnel in front of him. He's been, Um, he's been interesting in that it's honestly, it's a lot like the playoffs last season when he's been good. He's been very good when he's been bad. He's been very bad. And so when you look at the season as a whole, right, it averages out as he's been pretty good. The challenge with Hudobin is he hasn't been pretty good every single night. He's been a disaster in certain starts and he's been great in others. And that's, that's almost worse because you don't, you don't really know how to play in front of that guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then also there's still a lot of unknowns with how Ben Bishop's going to be able to come back. Um, well, I think this season, that's the easiest. Knee stuff. Yeah. And the nature <laughs> of his injuries and his size and, and the way that he plays, I think that the, the saving grace there is actually the weird COVID rosters. And I think you'll just wind up in a situation where you're probably tactically using the taxi squad and running a three goalie rotation, because I don't think you want, you know, either Bishop or Hudobin, frankly, to be playing extremely frequently down the stretch. And, and, you know, frankly, Dallas's issues, the ones that are really holding them back this season aren't in the crease anyways. And so I think what you right. probably do is Ottinger, I, and I, I'm not entirely sure the rules on the, the taxi squad, whether or not. I think could... Ottinger can be assigned back, but I, I think Hudobin and uh, Bishop would have to go through waivers. So, like, you can't just plug them into the taxi squad on off days or, or, you know, for well, a game. 
so, the cold cynic in me would say, well, then you send Hudobin through waivers to the taxi squad. And if somebody gets, if somebody claims him, then you've solved an expansion problem and you've successfully transitioned to what most acknowledge will be the next era in, in the Dallas net with Bishop and, and Ottinger. Or if you're really worried about Bishop's workload, you just make Ottinger be the kid that that travels back and forth between the two, and, and your net minding on any given night is I is Hudobin and Bishop, or sorry, is is either Hudobin and Bishop with Ottinger. So, ooh, that see that presents a new wrinkle. What if somebody called you up and said, "We want to trade for Hudobin right now"? I in a heartbeat. Would you do it? Yeah. Because a combination, so, I think it depends. Well, obviously, it depends on what I get back, right? If the offer's crap, but I, right. I think that you're far enough. Dallas is far enough out of contention that I'm not. Yes, it might be waving the white flag on the season if Ottinger can't be the guy day to day to day, right? Do you really want to? I don't know that Landon Bow and Jake Ottinger is the pair that's going to get the team into the postseason, but Ottinger has been as good as Hudobin has been. And he's the future. And if Bishop's coming back at some point, then maybe the piece you're getting back is interesting enough where you say, you know what? We can ride Ottinger, get this team to the postseason. Bishop slots back in as number one. And then, like I said, all of a sudden you've solved your your one single expansion headache, right? Because in the back of their heads when they signed the Hudobin extension, I think part of the calculus there was he's going to play so well, he will be so appealing that Seattle won't possibly pass up on him. Yeah. But, but I, I, I also ditched, don't know if I they would then have a heartbeat. goalie in this system to put up. I guess they could put Landon Bow up as their expanded goaltender and expose him. Yeah, I don't, just, Ottinger, like, I don't think you have to expose either him or Bishop. So you got to have somebody to expose at that. So position. yeah, it'd be it'd be Bow, and I think it, it also yeah. fits in with picking up um the kid from what's his name Share I believe Shield Shield. That's right. So it kind of lines up if. You know the writing. The writing is sort of on the wall for Hudobin, and I say that as somebody that will always treasure last year's postseason run. But the Dallas crease has suddenly gotten relatively crowded, and and he is the expendable part. Ooh, goalie controversy. When's the last time we I had mean, one of those? I, I honestly don't think it's going to be much of a controversy. I just think they'll jettison the, when the opportunity presents itself, and everybody will sort of shrug and say, "Yeah, well, okay," unless he goes on I, a heater of all heaters and gets him back to the postseason. And the hardest part to this, too, is the teams that might be looking at goaltending are in the Northern Division and with COVID and, you know, quarantines and stuff like it's just it's going to like this trade season is just going to be super weird because I think that there are deals that could be made under normal circumstances that just won't materialize because of, well, we can't get this guy because then it's two weeks before he can join the team and we need help now and I'm not familiar enough with the roster, but a, a deal, you're Toronto, right? The deal is Nylander and Pieces for Hudobin and Lindell, who says no. <laughs> <laughs> I think both sides look at that. It's a pretty, I think both sides would look at that and seriously consider a move um, of that nature, but I, I don't know. But they have Jack Campbell now, so like. <laughs> well, but but you need an experienced backup. Jack Campbell is made of glass. He's a great guy. Wonderful story. I I say that wishing him legitimately every Nothing success. Nothing but he, the best. He's a fantastic, but he is not. He's not necessarily the guy you look at a COVID schedule and a bubble playoff and think that he's durable enough to get them through it. And with Frederick Anderson, a major question mark. 
again in a in a world that doesn't have seven day quarantines and all that crazy, Hudobin is a fairly appealing backup lottery ticket. Yeah. Man, just so much. There's just so much that you could really, I mean, you can sit here and we could pontificate for hours on all of this. Um, but, well, you know, can't. I think the great thing is, is <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I like sleep. <laughs> Call me crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then also, like, I don't know. People would get bored with this after a certain amount of time, I imagine. Uh, short attention spans and all that. But, the good news is, is we'll know answers of, of what the stars end up doing here within like, you know, 72 hours or so. Uh, trade deadline is Monday, end of day. So uh, keep your phone next to you throughout the weekend. And just keep, you, you, if you, you heard it here first, if it's, if it's Nylander to the stars, we, we broke the news. Okay, but like, just imagine the internet. <laughs> it's something like I that happened, like... I think Starsdom would love it. Uh, honestly, I think it'd oh, be, I, I think would everybody love would it. love it. You'd have, and I think Toronto would too, because they'd be finally getting the defensive defenseman that that team has fetishized for, you know, ever. Whether whether both teams would feel that way in six months is an open question. After you know, Rick Bonus gets his hands on Nylander, and and after Essa Lindell has to adapt to the go 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 Toronto system, you know, the, it, it, it may not work out long term, but there would be a pretty pretty vivid honeymoon period. I think. I would be curious about that too, because I do wonder if Nylander has the playmaking capabilities that this roster is like severely in need of. And like, actually, that could be—he could be like a really good answer in that top six. But there at the go. same time, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's, but then well, at the same time, is he as good without Austin Matthews? We, there's only one way to find out, Taylor. So tune in. Oh, tune oh, in next time. Here we oh, go. Sorry. Yes. I got it. This. I got it. Liney. That too. The stars need <laughs> save him from Columbus Purgatory. Good lord! Can you imagine though? Like, I mean, I would, I would. Secondly, he wouldn't be able to score against you anymore. So there's that. But the, and, the fact I mean, he's that they like, won't is emblematic of everything that is wrong with coaching at the NHL level. And that he Line is the te, is the is patient zero example number one. He is everything that is wrong with NHL coaching because NHL coaching will kill itself finding a roster spot for a guy like Blake Como or Jason Dickinson, who are lovely, wonderful, wonderful players that contribute very well defensively, but couldn't hit 40 points if they fell out of a boat with 39 points in their pocket. But but those same that same NHL coaching structure cannot possibly fathom a way or a system or a way in which a guy like Patrick Line will be useful. They'll they'll look at a guy <laughs> like Dick. They'll look at a guy like Cogliano and say, "I can work with this. I'm going to trade for this guy. I'm going to give him limited no move. I'm going to sign him to a deal." Then they'll look at a guy like Patrick Line and say, "Hey, get on the bench. You you didn't back check. Get on the bench." I mean, I'm not saying like you get to completely just absolve yourself of any defensive responsibility when you're playing with the puck but like at the same time if you have the puck more and you're going away from your own net like you're by definition better defensively because the other team doesn't have chances i also present to you with you know think about our beloved dallas stars and i ask you this question what is easier to do create a seemingly endless pipeline of bottom six forwards 
or find one guy that can score 50 goals. Because Dallas has done <laughs> the one Dallas of those stars once, pretty hard. And the other thing that's done the, the other one of those things a lot of times. I remain convinced <laughs> yeah. you could you could throw a dart at a board, call up any player you want from Cedar Park, and he would look just fine in the bottom six of the Dallas Stars. Doesn't matter. Pick a name. Don't care. But they yeah. could not. They no, I, I'm with you. Yeah. But like, yeah, you just can't let, you know, your your horses roam. Like, you can't just let your horses go. Like, just Rube Hints and Radulov and Sagan. When those guys get in the offensive zone, Klingberg, Miro, when they're in the offensive zone, like, don't don't get in your own way by trying to overcoach and make them, like, double think what they're doing. Let them play by instinct because that's what elite players are able to do. Yeah, but like, then they may not they may not back check that one time and get uh, – this is a whole different podcast. I agree with you completely, oh, yeah. but what you're talking about is, is – does, does not happen at the NHL level. We're going to talk more about trading Luke Glendinning because he can win a clutch faceoff. <laughs> then we're going to talk about Patrick Laine for a team that is desperate for goal scoring. Like Laine, honestly, the cost of Laine has probably never been lower than you it know is. He right doesn't now. want to. Now, granted, he's not re-signing. Well, I mean, he has to because he's. Well, I was going to say you know now, I mean. now. Granted, you do have to qualify him, and I think he's going to be qualified at a pretty high level. But like, I don't know. Could you could you obtain him for last season than anybody on the Dallas Stars did the entire year? <laughs> Sorry, not anybody. The one the one guy that scored more because okay. he had what eighteen goal month, right? Okay, so Gurionov yeah. could do that, and he's benched. <laughs> maybe maybe he's exactly the fire that Gurionov needs. <laughs> I don't know. Like put, put Lanny out there. You don't think that Gurionov wouldn't want to play with that kind of sniper? Like hell. They just trade one timers back and forth across the ice until one of them scores. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I, but also, like, I do look at that and I say, hey, what if you acquired Line A at the trade deadline? The price has never been lower. He comes in. If he's a good fit, great. You can figure out a way to keep him because you can lose some lose a guy to Seattle and do some yeah. other stuff in the off season to make it work. Or if you don't want to qualify him, you either don't have to, or you could try to flip him before the expansion draft to a team that needs a forward to expose or, you know, needs, you know, or wants to expose a certain guy, but can re-sign line A to help fill that hole. I'm just saying like, it's NHL. Actually, I'm, I've Every team in the league, including it. Columbus. Should be yeah, you should, it. you should have talked yourself into him. <laughs> Every team in the league, including the Columbus Blue Jackets, should be willing to do whatever it takes to get Patrick Liney into their lineup. But none of them will because they're idiots. And not not overall, in a very specific way, in a very specific way, NHL coaching culture is just broken. And then we wonder why European coaches never are hired for, for jobs here. That's I mean, where I think the league needs to go. The, the history of the NHL is yeah but is he tough enough where's the grit where's the truculence see but Liney's a big dude like he's not a little wisp of a person it like he's doesn't a big guy matter. He's big forward <laughs> it doesn't matter what he does he can if he scores 50 goals it's irrelevant if he scores 40 goals it's irrelevant for the dallas stars if he scores 30 goals it's irrelevant correct that and is they don't the correct all I'm saying is a lot of players come through Dallas. They absolutely freaking love it here because they can go about their business and nobody really bothers them. Um, and then they, but 
no income tax. That's pretty nice. Uh, and like, just, I mean, the number of players that actually still own homes here is actually a lot higher than people probably realize. Like a lot of guys will retire to Dallas, which I think is hilarious. Um, but you know, good schools and, you know, just like a really nice, it's a nice, it's a decent place to raise a family. And but like, I don't know. I Exactly. It's not the frozen tundra of Winnipeg. It's not whatever Columbus is. <laughs> like, I do wonder if an energized, excited to be here type line A could like find a new home here is all I'm saying. Like, I don't know that we've actually really ever seen him super jazzed. Now imagine that for a second. He's a 50 plus goal scorer. What if he was actually excited to be somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of damage could he do? Like, I think it would be pretty, pretty wicked is all I'm saying. And it's, it's the best chance that Dallas oh, no. has to produce a player of that ability level. It's never going to happen. And that's why. Nope. It's, it's never going to happen, but it's not fine. Though. It's fun to dream. It can't be fine. You're, really per- you're perpetuating the flaw in the system. It can't, we cannot let them off the hook, but we will let the listeners off the hook. So we'll, uh, <laughs> I, I will be interested to see the, if the line a talks spurs any, any interesting discussion, but thank you, Taylor. This was, this was fantastic. Yeah. Thanks man. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys after the trade deadline when they inevitably do nothing. And they, <laughs> Team continues to win one and then, you know, demolish the Blue Blackhawks in the next one and then lose one nothing to Carolina again. It'll be super fun. Stars hockey. You know you-